service. <laughs> if you're wondering the sound of that, it was us breaking the ice uh, in the lake where we cold plunge. And uh, we figured this, these two episodes with Jim Zartman have a lot to say about cold plunging, so why not record a little segment from the water? <laughs> and here we are in the water with you. The contrast between the sun on our shoulders and the ice water on our bodies is beautiful. It's about 39, 40 degrees Fahrenheit in the air, <laughs> and the water is probably 34, 35 degrees, I would say. It's kind of what it what it feels like. Um, but we should say why we're doing this is two episodes with Jim. Well, we wanted to have a discussion with Jim together, the three of us. We did. And the middle of the night prior. The fairy of the stomach flu visited yeah, our family. Which, when you have toddlers, it visits you frequently. Um, <laughs> so you got to be ready. But what that meant was uh, he had to stay home from from daycare and so we had to kind of split up and so we've got two episodes that we're, we're sharing with you and you know we we talk about cold plunging in both but um, Jen got into some really interesting topics around ritual and resetting your body and, and what else are you excited about? I'm excited about the concept of community bringing other people into this which um, listeners you are now in this with us because you are listening to us literally record this as our bodies are in cold water breaking through the ice so we are so excited about these two episodes. And with that we will get into discussion two with Jim Zartman. I know you have questions for me, but there was something I'm at, I asked him, and it'd be interesting to hear your take on it as well. When you first, what was the, what was the experience like when you first started getting in the cold water? Yeah. How did you experience that day? Um, I approached it with so much fear, honestly. <laughs> I think apart from childbirth, it's one of the physical experiences that I've been most afraid of in my life. And I remember um, telling Jesse that if I want to get out, he has to just haul me out. I was afraid that I would, number one, die, <laughs> or number two, <laughs> be paralyzed to the point that I wasn't able to get out of the water of my yeah. own volition, under my own power. And I think... There's something powerful about doing that with someone whom you trust because yeah. I absolutely had to be vulnerable. And um, that's actually something I really wanted to ask you about because in your work um, with the Enneagram on your podcast, The Art of Growth, in your work with your co-founder Joel and your coach Suzanne, you often talk about ways to get back into your body as a way mm. to release old patterns and kind of get past feeling stuck. And when you introduced Jesse and I to this practice, that's absolutely what it did for us. And I wonder if that was part of what drew you to it initially as well. I think what drew me to it, ultimately, I think it was knowing that something was missing and that being apart and connected more to the natural world was the solution for that. Mm -hmm. In Scott Carney's book, What Doesn't Kill Us, one of the things he talks about is just we weren't designed physically to, to be in these temperature-controlled environments all the time where every single thing is so overly clean and overly comfortable, and our bodies are actually having a reaction to it. And 
getting into nature was like the reset button for some of that stuff. It was like reminding my body that it was actually okay to be here because in an overly sterilized and overly comfortable environments, I think there's a loss of self. Uh, there's a lot of content coming out about this right now, which I'm really excited about. There's more people waking up to it, but it's just like we're, we weren't, we're not supposed to be like this. Mm -hmm. And I started hearing little whispers of that from different places and just being like, right, I think that's something that's actually missing. And I feel like I'll be more connected to who I naturally am in a natural environment. It seems like so obvious, but I don't know. And then you experience little bits of it and it's, um, you do, you feel parts of you coming back to life. Right. And I totally experienced all that. When I first got in the cold water, I experienced all the terror uh, that you talk about. I like needed to sneak off and do it myself with no one seeing because I felt like <laughs> such a nut job. Uh, but, the, uh, and I was like, any, everyone who sees me is going to think I'm completely crazy. I think someone actually did call the cops who saw me like <laughs> at one point. A welfare um, check. <laughs> oh my gosh. So like we have to, yeah, a welfare check on this guy. Like, But now it's becoming more normal right. and there's so many more people are doing it. I'm actually part of a group called the WH Wolfpack. It stands <laughs> for the Wim Hof Wolfpack in Marblehead, Massachusetts. Nice. And there's like... All through this winter, we had like 30 some of us getting in the water twice a week together. And then people would do their own plunges outside of that. But we would all come together and do um, these these plunges together, even on these craziest days where <laughs> there's like snow on the ground. Yeah. And, and you, you, you look like you're crazy. And I remember growing up with my grandma saying like, you know, don't go out there. You'll catch your death of cold. Right. But it's actually the opposite. It's like, incredibly is, the opposite. Right. It's totally the opposite. Jesse and I had that same experience here when we um, started doing this and introducing friends and neighbors to it. And the reactions yeah. are always the same. The progression is the same. Like, that sounds terrible. I totally want to try that. And then right. they do it. And they say, I loved it. And they want to do it again. And so when we cut a hole in the ice here, um, Jesse was traveling. And so one of my friend's dads came and her son, and they came and cut the hole in the ice. And he just kind of sat back and watched, but she brought her daughters and they got in the water. And then the next day I started getting text messages <laughs> saying, a friend of a friend wants to come. Can she come do it? You know? And yeah. so um, I went to drop off the boys at school and you know, other moms were saying like, I, heard, I saw this on Facebook. Can we try it? Can we come out? And so there's so a way cool. that these rituals are so not built in for us anymore. But what I think we love about this is that it's accessible. It's something that's accessible. And Wim Hof has a great video on YouTube that's ironically called How to Avoid Cold Hands. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's a video about how you can put your hand in a bowl of ice water. And so for people that don't live anywhere near a body of water or anywhere yeah. near anything that they would consider nature. Um, what are some ways that they can access the benefits and kind of the transformative power of these experiences? It's so funny. One day when my daughter was having a really hard time and she couldn't kind of snap out of it. And I think part of it was uh, 
being emotionally distraught and not being able to snap out of it. But then part of it also is sometimes when we're in a bad spot, if there's like an ego thing where we don't want to like turn around or turn things around. Right. Um, and kids have that sometimes where they don't want to because it's almost like admitting they're wrong. Yeah. And so not I told kids. her, I was like, <laughs> yeah. I, I told her, I was like, you know what? It can actually reset your brain to put your face in a bowl of cold water. Do you want me to make one for you? She's like, yeah. And so I got the ice out and I put cold water in this bowl and it was freezing and she put her face in it and she kind of came out and she's like, oh, did it a couple more times. <laughs> and uh, then she like had a smile on her face and she's like, I'm sorry. But it gave her both the physical experience of a reset, but it also kind of gave her an excuse to change gears. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I feel like that is a, a, just a great way to do it. Like, yeah, stick your face in, in some really cold water, mm -hmm. uh, you're still going to get the experience of it. Like people talk about the cold showers, like Harvard did a study on that. For those who are terrified, they didn't do immersion. They were just doing a cold shower study. So this is very different than everything else we've been talking about. Right. But in that study, um, the people who did at least 30 seconds of it, a cold shower a day, missed 29% less work than those who uh, were in the control group. So there's obvious health benefits to the, the cold exposure thing, but it, that was just like, uh, hey, you're taking a shower. At the end of your shower, flip it to cold for 30 seconds and breathe through it. Right. And like that was enough. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it sucks. You still get that reaction like, oh, dear God, I'm going to die. Right. Uh, but there's something that gets reset in your brain. Mm -hmm. um, but there are there are places of beauty everywhere. And I think the pursuit of beauty is just as important as finding it. Um, but then in finding it, there is something in you that comes alive that you, you find was missing before you had that moment. Absolutely. And, and speaking of your daughter, um, you know, our boys are, are still really little, but we call them our ice support crew, which means they um, basically <laughs> throw snowballs at us while Jesse and I are in the water. But it speaks to the power of even considering these rituals as something that you could try. Uh, we have yeah. friends who, you know, join us but don't want to get in the water. But I think being an observer to these mm. rituals is also a powerful role, not only for our children, but for our friends and our neighbors or even um, people that we, you know, don't ever talk to us anymore, but hardly we see them on Facebook. So I think um, what's the power of even knowing that these rituals exist that kind of opens up your mind to that possibility of transformation and transcendence? Yeah. Well, you use a very special, a particular word when you use the word ritual. And I think there is something sorely missing from our culture and that we don't have ritual. So even witnessing a ritual, uh, there's a reason we can still cry at a beautiful wedding scene in a movie, even though we're not there. Mm -hmm. It's like even witnessing the ritual is gives us an experience of that beauty. Um, but for those engaged in the ritual, they they really get to experience um, themselves in a, in a different way. And I, this is very unformed in my mind, but I do think I'm going to go down an exploration of wanting to understand the importance of ritual 
because so many cultures have had it even like the romans literally used to have like a, they had a ritual for shaving um <laughs> they and they talked about it in that way that it's like this experience because otherwise you're just kind of going through the motions but if there's an intentionality to it uh there's like a, a ritual aspect to it then it does carry more significance i'm listening to a book right now um called effortless by the same guy who wrote uh, essentialism Mm-hmm. His name is um, Greg, Greg McEwen. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how you say that, but I think it's Greg McEwen. Um, and he wrote Essentialism and also Effortless. And the section I was just listening to is all about ritual and how they add this element of ritual to so many of the things they do in their family in order to make it more fun, to make it more meaningful. Mm-hmm. It's a habit that you do intentionally in a specific way to have a specific experience. Uh, and I think that that provides like a maturing um, and there's a whole other rabbit hole there where there's um, some psychologists who have been writing about uh, why so much of male culture in America, it isn't really um, man psychology as much as it is boy psychology mm. because one of the things that has prevented a lot of the maturity uh, is we've removed ritual from our culture. But there's something about these rituals that actually have a a f- sense of I was in one place and I'm arriving in a newer place. Mm-hmm. And this is really unformed. I wish I had a better articulation for it for the podcast, but like there's something about that that I'm playing with and trying to understand. When you say I was in one place and now I've arrived in another place and um, with what you said before about being in nature and having this sense that I belong here. Mm. Um, in Spanish, I was recently reminded of this beautiful word, merezco, which means I deserve it. Huh. And I think these experiences, no matter how small they are, you know, Wim Hof would go to a park in, you know, um, a city park. And that's where he first started experimenting with his, his cold dips. Yeah. And so... I love that idea that there's the sense that no matter who you are, no matter where you are, merezco, I deserve this. I deserve to be here. I still belong here, even though yeah. we've been so far removed from that. You you just said I belong here. And I do think this is something that is important that until you just said that, it like just snapped it into place in my mind that I think I did have a better sense of belonging to the area I live, to myself, when I started engaging more in nature, there was more of a sense of belonging, which we always kind of uh, lump in with, uh, do I fit into the group, right. which is not belonging. It's like coming back to belonging to yourself. And I do think that the experiences I've had in nature were probably the birthplace of belonging in a lot of ways in my own heart. And and I think back to the observer role and how important that is, even if people are so far from wanting to do any of these kinds of experiences, but I think listeners of the podcast are curious about that, no matter where you are on that continuum, Mm. that simply opens the door to how can I access these things to feel another sense of belonging. And the more that people see other people doing that and having transformation and benefit from those experiences, it creates a community that I did not expect. I right. um, 
have been just, you know, you get very heads down in your family and your work. And so it becomes so difficult. It's Bowling Alone, you know, that book from many yeah. years ago. But that I was really surprised by the way that this created community in a way that I wasn't expecting. And that's another sense of belonging. Not only do you find that you still belong in the landscape, but you find that you belong, like you said, to yourself. And also you belong in a community, which can be so hard to find today, I think. Mm. It's interesting. The Wim Hof Wolfpack group that I... I had mentioned before that we all gather up in Marblehead, Massachusetts and dip together a couple times a week. We are having a gathering all together at next weekend where all of us are going to, you know, have a bonfire and probably a bunch of us will jump in the ocean and then get into the hot tub or something. But this community has formed around this experience. That's like there is there is something about that. Like yeah. you've probably met people who have come over to your house to to watch this or to dip with you who you may not have otherwise met, made a connection to. Absolutely. But because you've stepped out in this way, you've actually created more community within your community. Yes. And I think by setting an example in that way of connecting to nature, it's something that is, other people are naturally gravitated towards and gives other people even a more of a sense of belonging that they can actually come and be a part of it as well. So I think that's just such a beautiful thing that you were doing. Well, and there can be as much fear in stepping out to do that as there is in stepping your foot into an icy lake and seeing the ice swirling around your skin. Yeah. I think there can be as much fear in that kind of reaching out to create community as there is in, in fear of the cold. Yeah. When you're talking about belonging in a landscape, the landscape is such a powerful participant and almost another being in these experiences. Mm -hmm. And for you, um, it's clear that's the ocean. And in your new book of poems, And I Would Lift You, um, one of your poems is, I went to the ocean, and I wonder if you would read the first stanza of that for us. Oh, yeah. It's on page 39. Got it. I went to the ocean to remember the ocean <laughs> yeah. within me. Yeah. And this came out of these experiences. I wrote two poems, uh, Walk Aware and this one, that are kind of around that idea of getting into the cold and getting into the water and what it felt like. And I summed it up one day as I was driving home from being in the cold water at this beach called Nahant, which is right down the road from me. And I said... I went to the ocean to remember the ocean within me, to remember my unity with the relentless cold powers and towers of waves. I watched others as they took pictures at a distance, resistant to the natural surrounding them. But with a wicked grin, I walked into those winter waves and they tossed me around like a piece of sand. I steadied my breath as I remembered how my dear ocean tossed ships the size of cities as easily as it tossed me. It's such a reminder of both our insignificance, but also I went to the ocean to remember the ocean within me. Yeah. So the vastness of who we are and also the insignificance and the contrast between those two and these practices that, that we're talking about, getting into cold water or even putting your hand in a bowl of ice water, yeah. allow us to have access to those experiences that our nature, no matter how far we might feel removed from that right now in our lives, 
So yeah, that's really beautiful. So Jim, in your work with your organization of transformation with your partners, Joel and Suzanne, which is the artofgrowth.org, in your podcast, you often talk about how getting back into the body can be a really powerful way to transform the places where we feel stuck. Mm. How do these experiences become part of that transformation for people and the work that you do with coaching clients and corporations and, and other organizations? Yeah, I often talk about how we want to get clear in our mind or we want to get calm in our hearts of being overwhelmed with emotion, but how you actually had a body first. Mm. <laughs> you know, in the beginning, you had a body and you've been around small kids. They're like these bodies with all these emotions that are like just so intense. The mind actually comes on last and we overuse it for everything. Right. So if you want to reset the whole system, you have to get into the body. And it can be as simple as moving around. I, I do a thing where it, I just stand up in my office sometimes before calls to reset myself for one minute um, by just like, you know, dancing or pushing my arms up and down and <sighs> breathing, getting my heart rate up, sprinting in place. And it's like if I reset my body, everything else can come online. And we do this in a lot of different ways with our clients. But there is something about resetting the body and then the other systems start to take place. Like I, you know, eating the foods that your body loves, getting the sleep that your body needs. Like it, when these things are in line, you can start working on the other ones. And frankly, you can't really work on the other ones when those aren't in place. So the, that's something I always remind people. Like you had a body first, reset your body and the rest will work. To read more of Jim's poems and essays, visit jimzartman.com or look for his book, And I Would Lift You, on amazon.com. You can learn more about his Enneagram coaching, discover your own Enneagram type, and hear Jim's incredibly insightful podcast, The Art of Growth, at theartofgrowth.org. Open Air Humans is a production of Credo Nonfiction. See and hear more at credononfiction.com. And we'd love to see and hear from you. As part of Open Air Humans, we're collecting something we call Open Air Diaries. We'd love a simple story from you about a moment you were out in nature and became awestruck. Tell us about a time you experienced something that made you feel a deeper or more profound connection to the world around you. If you'd be so kind to record that story on your phone is great, and email that audio file to openairhumans at gmail.com. We'll be collecting these and playing one at the end of each episode moving forward. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us and sharing your life with us out here in the open air. <laughs>